I want to just say welcome to Mission Church today. What a beautiful day it is. I probably could have worn short sleeves today. I was worried about it being cold, but man, it is gorgeous today. So, praise the Lord for that. How many of you guys have been praying for good weather on Sunday morning? Amen. That's been my, my prayer. Um, I want to take this moment to welcome you who are watching online. And thank you for joining us today. I know that last Sunday we had a lot of technical issues um, uh, with our online broadcast. And the fact that you're here today is a blessing. And I know my good friend Chris Archer is watching today while he's on his sabbatical. So how's it going, Chris? And uh, throw you a little shout out there. Um, but uh, we, I think we fixed our issues and we're so grateful that you are joining us today. Last week and last Sunday, um, I preached about being on and joining us for a fast that, that we're starting at the start of this new year to enter into the time of of, of, of setting time and space and our lives apart for God's use. And, um, and through prayer, uh, seeking the Lord, um, and, and hearing from Him, I pray that you are experiencing an epiphany from God. That, that you are hearing from God and that He's moving in your life. And, uh, and that, that closeness that you have with God will lead you into seeing what God would have for us in this new year as a church and, and for yourself individually. And um, I want you to know that in, in this spirit of prayer that our church has been in, next Sunday, after the Sunday morning service is done, um, I'd like to do a, a prayer and healing service. I'm going to ask the elders of the church to join us. We're going to have oil, and if you would like to be prayed over, we're going to pray and anoint you with oil, and, and that is just a part of the ongoing ministry of prayer that we have at here at Mission Church. So, if you're watching online and you want to be a part of that, you're more than welcome to come and join us for our in-person service that we're meeting outdoors. And um, so, those are some of the exciting things that I want to share with you that, that we're doing here at Mission. Um, but I want to let you all know that today... I'm beginning a brand new sermon series that will probably go for several months, maybe. And um, I'd like to journey with you through this uh, letter um, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And um, we call it the Book of Philippians, but really it's an epistle, it's a letter. And, um, and I've been praying about uh, this sermon series for quite some time now because of the times that we're all living through. Before COVID happened, before COVID happened, when we were living our, and I'm putting air quotes here, our normal lives, right? Normal back then, before COVID, meant that we, we were living our lives and we were dealing with all of the everyday struggles that we all were, were working through with, you know, the, the kids, how we're going to manage our kids, um, the, the finances, we're going to take care of all the finances, making sure all that. For those of you who are working, you know, negotiating your work, your job, if, if uh, you're in school, uh, you know, dealing with college or school, all of that, and uh, home repairs, um, family issues, health issues that were non-COVID related, high blood pressure, diabetes. Some people in this church, before COVID happened, were just found out that they had gotten cancer, Right? And all this is the normal of our lives before COVID all hit us. And by the way, I forgot to mention, we were all 
struggling through what we're going to do about the Padres, right? <laughs> right. And so all of that was the, the normal life that we were all working on. And then COVID hit. This terrible pandemic, which, is, which added just this huge layer of burden on everyone that nobody was prepared for. And now we're all facing this new normal, whatever that looks like. But this new normal that's added on this layer of what we were already going through and already struggling with and already experiencing, this new normal, now we're dealing with shutdowns and reopenings and job losses and new jobs that we have to learn. We're dealing with the vaccine mandate and getting another booster now, and masks, and no masks, and we're still struggling with the Padres! <laughs> and so, church, in this time of confusion, I would even say in this time of division and sickness, our world needs a healthy place. A healthy place of healing, and a healthy place of joy. And so, it's been on my heart. The epistle to the Philippians is the epistle of joy. And I want to share this joy with the church. The church needs to be that place for our world. So, in this beginning of this new year, we're fasting. Because we want to hear from God. We want our relationship with God to go closer. We're going to go through the letter to the, the Philippians. And we're going to talk about joy. And when we talk about joy in Philippians, you're going to find out there's some surprising insights to joy that Paul writes about. And that he writes from a time that's not joyful at all for him. And yet, he calls the church to joy. We're experiencing the same thing. That is why I believe that this sermon series will be an amazing time for us all. And then next Sunday, when we do our time of prayer and healing, we're going to pray for healing. What better thing to do right now in the church? Amen? Oh, man. So come and join us for that, that, that healing service next Sunday. And, and the reason why I'm not doing it today is because I want to announce it first so that everybody who wants to be a part of it can join us and be a part of it. So I want to introduce you to this this letter to this church in Philippi. And, and I'm going to, towards the end of the sermon, really focus in on, on the, the author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, so that we understand who this letter was written to, who wrote it, and the circumstances for why it was written. And even though I'm preaching about the, this, the, the letter to the Philippians, we're not even going to enter in there just today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 16, and just hold your finger there. You might even go back to 13 because we're going to just kind of journey through the book of Acts so that we can understand this letter to the church in Philippi a little bit better, this letter to the Philippian church. I want to give you an overview and a background and some of the surprising reasons for why Philippians is called this epistle of joy. The letter to the Philippians really is a thank you letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi for their amazing support for him in his life. Um, 
Philippians is a letter to the church where the Apostle Paul started on his second missionary journey into Philippi. And, um, and, and from that journey that he had taken into Philippi, he developed this amazing relationship with the people in the church there, and they supported him in this, this beautiful way, and this letter is a letter to, to also to thank them, but also to call them to a spirit of joy in the church. The Apostle Paul calls the church to joy. And, and Philippians is just four short chapters. It's not a long letter. It's just four, four chapters. And in, this, in the four chapters, he, he, he mentions joy 16 times. And, and, and joy is a central part of this letter. And here's the surprise that I want to share with you. Right? It's so easy to talk about joy and to be joyful when everything is going great. Right? When the Padres are in first place, everybody's cheering. Woohoo! But when, when they start falling out of first place and they go on a 10-game losing streak, we lose all of our joy, right? I mean, that's how it goes. For the Apostle Paul here, when he's writing this letter, here's the surprising thing. He's not writing from a place of joy. Things in his life aren't exciting and going well. In fact, when Paul writes this letter, many of you, some of you may know this, he's writing from a Roman prison. He's imprisoned in Rome, and he's possibly facing death. Stop to think about that for just a moment. If, if you were in prison, and, and, and the sentence could be the end of your life, and you're writing a letter, what would your letter be about? Would it be, hey, could you, could you be praying for me? Would you help me? I, I am in a very dire place. Things aren't looking good. I could die soon. Right? That's what I would write. If I was right, dear Mission Church, please fast and pray for me. I'm struggling through this time. That is not the letter Paul writes to the church in Philippi. Paul even though he's going through this awful time of being imprisoned. And you know what he was imprisoned for? Was it for shoplifting? No. Was it because he, he, uh, he hurt someone? No. He murdered someone? No. Why was Paul in prison? For preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, is, he finds himself in a Roman prison a prison in Rome. And um, and he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. And he calls them to joy. That's what I love about this letter. It doesn't sugarcoat the things that Paul is going through or even the things that the church is going through. It deals with the hard situations that everybody is facing and yet it calls, it calls the church to joy. That's why I think this sermon series is, comes at a perfect time for our church here. Because we're all going through difficult and challenging times. It's a hard time for us all. Church, it's a hard time for me. I'll be honest with you. It's, you know, things aren't always peachy keen, even though it looks like it from here, right? <laughs> There's struggle happening. And yet, through this, 
through our time together, my prayer is that we will, we will be able to live in this difficult and challenging time and still find joy. No one considers a death sentence in jail a joyful experience. But this is what the Apostle Paul is experiencing. Joy in the midst of this difficult and challenging time. How does he do this? How? How does the Apostle Paul find joy in the midst of this difficult and challenging time? As we go through this sermon series, we're going to find out. And I pray that this will help us as we go through our challenges that we're still facing. And still come out on the other side with joy. And here's the beautiful thing, church. As the body of Christ here at Mission Church, when we are able to find that joy and experience that joy in the midst of the challenges that we're all facing, this church will be set apart. And in this dark time that we're living through, we will be a light in this community. We will be a light that is a beacon because we will be joyful. We will have joy in the midst of a very difficult time. And that is what will make this place and this community very special. It will attract people from far and wide. And I'm excited about seeing that happen. That when you are filled with joy and you go back into your neighborhoods and communities and, and people notice, hey, Jim, what is it about you, man? How can you keep smiling in the midst of this difficult time? And, and he'll say, it's because of Elizabeth. <laughs> but also, that I've been able to find joy in the midst of this journey because of what Jesus is doing in my life. And so, let's figure this out. How does Paul find joy in the midst of this journey? Well, let me, let me first talk about Philippi, the city. Right? So you guys get a picture of what that city is like. Philippi is a city in, in Macedonia. And it's the, Rome, it's the leading Roman city there. It's, it's a Roman outpost. It's kind of like our little Italy over here in San Diego. You guys have been to little Italy, right? Philippi had the coolest and best Italian restaurants back in, in Macedonia. And it had a farmer's market on the weekends. I don't know if you guys knew that. Just kidding. Okay. Just seeing if you guys are still with me here. <laughs> But Philippi was where people went to retire, especially if they served in the Roman army or if they were soldiers or, or even, you know, higher up. They would find their way to Philippi. They would retire. Think of Philippi as a Florida, <laughs> a retirement community for, 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 the, for the military people in, in Rome. And, and, and that's what Philippi was like. And because it was filled with Roman citizens there, it wasn't like the Bible Belt at all. They, they weren't receptive to a, a new faith moving into their community. They followed the Greek gods. They weren't open to the gospel. And as we read about what we're going to look at today, when Paul visits Philippi, he's actually thrown in jail. And, uh, and, 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 and that's how partly he begins his ministry there. In fact, being thrown in jail was a divine appointment from God, and, and we'll look at that in, in, our, in our sermon today. But if you have your Bibles in Acts 16, we find the start of Paul's missionary journey into Philippi. 
And, and this is his second journey, his second missionary journey. He had taken a missionary journey once before. If you read the book of Acts, chapters 13 through 15, talk about his first mission, missionary journey. And the Apostle Paul begins his missionary journey out of Antioch. He's in Antioch, and, and he travels to the different cities, and, he, and the, the, the plan is to visit all the Jewish synagogues, and while he's there, to preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. He's going to start with the Jewish people there. And I want to read from you from Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3 first. Because how he begins his ministry is so important, and it mirrors what I pray we are doing. So here's what the Word of God says in Acts chapter 13, beginning at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, Hear that? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I love that! I love that! They began their ministry with fasting and praying. They followed the example of Jesus when he began his ministry. And he fasted and he prayed to start his ministry. And my prayer, church, my prayer is that as we fast and as we pray that God will start brand new works through Mission Church. One of my prayers as the pastor of this church is that we are a reproducing church that we would go and find people who have a heart and passion to start new works in different places and we would support that 1,000%. And I believe that people are called into the ministry through fasting and praying. Just like what is happening in the Bible right here. And I wouldn't be surprised that the end of our fasting this end of this, this ten, just the short 10 day fast that we're going to go through, that there might not be a few people in our church who might say, Pastor Gordon, the Lord is calling me into ministry. I don't know what it is, but I definitely feel God pushing me and moving me to serving Him with my whole life. I have no doubt that that's what happens when we fast and we seek God and we're attentive to what He's saying. That he calls people through that. Just as he calls Paul and Barnabas to go on this missionary journey. To start new works. People are called powerfully in times like this. In times like this when we fast and seek God. Lives are changed. Not just the lives of the people who fast. But through their fast and what God calls them to do. And as they go out and do the work that God calls them to do. Lives are changed out there. I'm so excited about this. So the call of God is placed on Paul and, and his life has completely transformed. Many of you know, if, if you've read the book of Acts, that the Apostle Paul, whose name was Saul, began when we first meet him in the Bible as a persecutor of Christians. In, in Acts chapter 7, we find the story of the stoning of Stephen. Remember that story? 
when Stephen began to proclaim Jesus and, and they came against him and they, they, they persecuted him, they stoned Stephen to death. And there was Paul holding the coats of the people, stoning Stephen to death. He, he celebrated that. He was a person that persecuted Christians early on in his life as a Pharisee. And then he got papers from from the high priest to go to Damascus to arrest the, the Christians there. And on his way to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, Jesus, he encounters Jesus powerfully. And, and it was an epiphany. It was an epiphany. Jesus showed up. And when Jesus shows up, remember what I said? You're never the same. You're never the same. And right there, Paul's life was completely ruined. <laughs> in the in the best possible way. All the plans that he had had, right out the window, because Jesus came into his life. And this encounter that the Apostle Paul has, did something so dramatic in him, it cemented his faith in God. And it, it did something that I pray that this fast will do in each of us. It made Paul fall in love with God in such a dynamic way that when we look at all the things that Paul did and experienced and went through, people who loved less would have easily quit and given up. But not Paul. And let's take a look at what happens here. Oh, I'm so excited to share this with you. In Acts chapter 9, Paul encounters Jesus. His, his faith and his call is cemented. And Paul authentically loves God. That is the first part of our mission statement. Do you guys understand that? Do you guys all have that Mission Church mug? If not, come see me. I want to give you a mug. And when you get that mug, on one side, it's our beautiful logo. On the other, on the other side, it states our mission statement. What we are here to do, the mission of this church, is first to authentically love God. And that is what happens in Paul's life. And he is an, an amazing example of what it looks like for a person to authentically love God. On Paul's first missionary journey, he's fast, they're fasting, they're praying, they get laid hand, their hands they lay hands upon him and send him off from Antioch. And if you read Acts chapter 13 through 15, Paul goes to many different places. He goes to Cyprus and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. And when he gets there, he goes to the synagogue. That's the plan. Get with the Jews because they already know part of what the story is. And then he begins to tell them the rest of the story about Jesus. And some people there welcome him. He's welcome. They love him. They're like, wow, this is great. But as you can imagine, a lot of people oppose him. And when they oppose him, believe it or not, it gets violent. It's just not, hey, get out of here. Don't talk about that. When they oppose people, it, it, it got violent. Just like it got violent for Stephen in, in Acts chapter 7 when he got stoned. And so in Acts chapter 14, when the Apostle Paul is in Lystra, the ministry he had there started out great. He heals a crippled man. 
Right? And everybody's like, wow, he, this guy was crippled all his life, and a miracle takes place. And the people of Lystra, they believe in the Greek gods, and so they think Paul and Silas are gods. They actually think they're bringing them offerings, and they, Paul, no, 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 that's not us. We're just like you. And yet, people were still so excited to have them there. It started off really good, but those that opposed them showed up as well. And they convinced the crowd that were so excited for, for Paul and Silas that, and turned their hearts against them. And so much so that there in Acts chapter 14, while they're in Lystra, Paul is taken outside of the city and they're stoning him to death. The Bible even says that they left him outside the city thinking that he was dead. Are you guys getting this picture? They're outside the city and they think that they, they have left Paul for dead. And, and I find this irony so powerful that Paul was stoned in Lystra to an inch of his death. And while there's no mention of this in the Bible, I imagine that as he's being stoned, flashes of Stephen is going through his own mind when he stood there watching the death of Stephen, earlier on in his life. So now what? Now what? You go and you try to tell people about Jesus and they get all upset. They drag you outside the town. They throw rocks at you to an inch of your death. Now what? Paul is almost killed serving God. This is dangerous work. What do we do about that? Well, we pack up and go home. This is too dangerous. Can you hear that? Wouldn't that be the, the logical thing to do? I mean, they're trying to kill us. <laughs> Honestly, probably what I would have done. Pack up and go home. Man, this is dangerous. Why would you want to be out here telling people about Jesus and all you get for it is a lacerated kidney, <laughs> a concussion, and you're an inch away from death? But that's not Paul's desire. That is not Paul's decision. That is not what Paul chooses to do. Paul and his companions, they keep going, and they keep moving forward. And so you've got to ask the question, why? What is it that motivates you to do this, this whole missionary thing, to risk limb and life? What is the motivation for Paul to risk all of that, spreading the good news of Jesus? Is it fortune? You're going to get rich doing it? Is it fame? Paul had no idea we were going to talk about him today, years later. Is it power? What is it that motivates a person to do this crazy thing? The thing that motivates all of us to do the crazy. Love. Authentically loving God. 
with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and you're so impassioned in that love for Him that you cannot see yourself doing anything else. You ever been that much in love? That's what Paul is experiencing right here. It's his love for God that, that propels him and moves him forward to do these things that otherwise people who loved any less would pack it up and go home. And that's the truth. He was called. And his calling was, like I said, cemented. When you're called by God, you enter into a life that's not your own. And he realized that. And so, he said yes to God. And continued to move forward. Oh, man. That is authentic love. And so we find ourselves now in Acts chapter 16 on Paul's second missionary journey. This is where he makes his way into Philippi. This is when this is where the story starts for us. Paul goes on this second missionary journey and this second missionary journey, you know what the plans were? The plans were to go to all the different places he went on his first journey touch base with the people that he had met before and and encourage the churches that got started and then from there they're going to go to Asia and meet my relatives there. (laughs) Bring the gospel and the good news to, to all the Chinese people there. And as Paul was on this second missionary journey, he's going to all the different places, He's making his way to Asia. And the Bible tells us this, that the Holy Spirit prevented him. Prevented him from going to Asia. Just want to pause right there. Amazing. To be so in tune with God. That the plans that you make, the plans that you make, you're ready to stop and and do something different because the Holy Spirit leads you. Stop and think about that for a second. You know, when I make plans, I want to see them through. Right? This is the plan. We're going to do this. And we move forward. How often do we consult with God's Holy Spirit? But I believe that when you fast and pray, you break down the barriers of your own self-interest. And you begin to take on a, a, a perception of God that you might not normally hear. You know why? Because you've set apart time and space and yourself. You've entered into the holy. And it is there that people hear God. So did the same thing. He went to the synagogue. And on the Sabbath day, he met Lydia there. <clears throat> talked about Jesus. And, and the Lord softened her heart. Opened her, her heart to, to the message and, and when she accepted it, she was baptized. And she said, come and stay with us. And so, she became the core of this ministry that they began there in Philippi. Lydia was there in the core group. The second person, oh, this is an amazing story. The second person that Paul meets there in Philippi is a girl. We don't know her name. We know, Phil, we know uh, Lydia's name. We don't know this girl's name. But we know one thing. The Bible says she had a spirit in her. And that spirit in her caused her and gave her the ability to predict the future. 
And some people saw that in her and exploited her for that. And took her and exploited her. And, and from this gift that she had, she was able to raise a lot of money for her owners. And when she saw Paul and his companions, she, she kept saying this one phrase over and over again. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. This, this woman, this girl, had the gift to know the future. And she was using that gift to tell the others about who Paul and the other companions were. What she was saying was the truth. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. The problem was that she kept doing this over and over and over and over again for several days going. And after a while, it got on Paul's nerves. In fact, the Bible does say Paul got annoyed by it. Which I want to pause here and just say, this, the Bible is, tells us that Paul was a human being. Right? He wasn't this, this godlike figure like the, the, the people in Lystra thought he was. He was just like you and me, Barry. Sometimes we get annoyed at things, right? And Paul got annoyed. Barry never gets annoyed, just so you know. I've met Barry. I know him. He's the nicest man I know in my life. <laughs> but Paul got annoyed. And so he cast out the demon from the spirit from this girl. And the people who exploited her lost their income. And they got upset, obviously. They got upset. And they accused Paul and the others of throwing the city into an uproar and advocating customs unlawful for Romans to accept the practice. And check this out. This gets Paul and his companions thrown in jail. Not only thrown in jail, they get beaten first and thrown in jail. And again, church, everybody that's watching online, let me ask you this question. When you do something that you know is right, but it gets you thrown in jail, it gets you beaten, it gets you stoned to within an inch of your life, do you keep on going? Do you keep on going? I mean, he's in jail now in Philippi. So it's so easy to read this off the pages of the Bible. But I bet you, you put your feet on the ground in Philippi, you stand next to Paul, and you understand that this is scary. And Paul and his companions are thrown in jail. This is dangerous stuff. So the third person we meet is the jailer. Now, after reading this, and, and I have no doubt that somehow or another that God orchestrates this. God orchestrates this. That Paul gets put in jail and encounters this jailer. So this jailer, his job is to make sure that the people in jail don't escape. Obviously. And when you think about being in jail, our American minds, right, we say, okay, they open up the door, they put you in, and they close the door. And you're free to walk around in jail. No! That's not for Paul and Silas and the other people in jail. They put you in that room, and they shackled you in that room. They were shackled in the cell. And the door was locked. Okay? That's what we know. 
That's the kind of jail they're in. And so here's Paul and Silas, shackled up in jail for bringing the good news to, to the people in Philippi. And at midnight, what do you think they're doing? Are they complaining? I can't believe we're in jail again! No. You know what we find them doing? I love this! They're worshiping God. They're having a midnight mass. They're singing and praising God in jail. Read the Bible. That's what it says. And church, sorry for getting so excited. I'm not trying to yell. I'm just excited. This is what it means to authentically love God. Not just love God when things are going great, when all the seats are filled and the offering basket's full and, you know, oh, we can praise God. When you're, when you're stranded in jail, shackled. I can't imagine the filth of this place. I'm sure they didn't have good hygiene in jail. And at midnight, we find Paul and Silas singing, This is amazing grace. <laughs> this is unfailing love. Did they have that song then? You think? No? No? Okay. They might have sang another song. <laughs> and while they're praising God at midnight, God shows up. An epiphany. An earthquake happens. Their shackles fall off. The prison doors are open. The jailer, who's supposed to make sure that everyone stays in jail, so he locks the doors and shackles them inside the jail, shows up, sees the doors open. Now, granted, this is in the middle of night, at midnight. He can't see anything going on. He thinks everyone is gone. And you know what the Bible says? He is about to take his own life because he knows that if the prisoners are gone, he's held responsible and he's going to die anyway, and he'd rather die on his own terms. He's about to take his life when through the darkness, Paul's voice says, I have it right here, he says, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Don't harm yourself, we're all here. Let me read for you what happens here. The jailer, this is verse 29 in Acts chapter 16. The jailer then called for lights. And they rushed, and then when the lights came, they rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them in and washed their wounds. And then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. And listen to verse 34. Listen closely. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before him. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and his whole household. We're going to focus on joy. And I don't know what brings more joy than for people to believe in God. And I know practically everybody in here believes in God. But I pray 
that our belief in God can lead us today to authentically love God. Maybe in a way that when the hard times come, and they will, we don't just abandon our faith. We don't just put it away and say, the church this or this or whatever this. And then walk away from what is going on right here. The amazing movement of God that we're reading here in Philippi happens here in Mission Church as well. Same God. Same message. And people are the same. What if we find our place in a way that the love that we have for God can grow into authenticity? One that doesn't take no for an answer. Do we leave and give up on this? No, we don't. You know why? Because we love God here at this church. Like Paul loves God. And even though hard times come, really hard times come, are we going to give up and abandon this? No way. Not a chance. For Paul... Can you imagine the joy when people believe and turn their hearts to Jesus? That's why he went on these missionary trips in the first place. And he's seeing what he went out to do happen. The fruit of his ministry. People are being baptized and coming to know Jesus. Lydia and her family baptized. The jailer and his family baptized. Coming to know Jesus what joy! Amen! Can I get an amen for that? Yes! And for the jailer, who now has Jesus in his life. Not just him, but his whole family is walking with God. You don't have to raise your hands. But who in this audience here wouldn't want your children to walk with God as you do? All of us! All of us! Whether your kids are little or if they're like mine and they're adulting their way and trying to find their way. And we want all of our kids to walk with Jesus. How is that going to happen? Maybe. Maybe because we are in this time of fasting and praying and we ask God that very question, Lord, how do we bring our kids back to you? Maybe. Maybe. We can hear from God during this time because we're attentive to what He's saying. Maybe the power of the work of the Holy Spirit works powerfully in us as we go through this. But all I know is that the jailer was joyful to know God. That's what it says. The jailer brought Paul and Silas into his home, made a meal for them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. You know, in Luke chapter 15, it says that all heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. All heaven rejoices when just one sinner repents. And that's what we're all about. That's what Paul was doing. That's why we exist. Because the third part of our mission statement says to intentionally share Christ. 
Anybody here today want to make heaven rejoice by turning around, coming back to Jesus? My prayer is that as we journey together, we will find joy even in the hard times. Because we're walking closely with God. Because we're learning what it means to authentically love God, humbly serve one another, and intentionally share Christ. And church, if you intentionally share Christ, I promise you that when people come to know Jesus, you will be a part of what makes heaven rejoice. And in your own heart, you will experience what Paul is experiencing. The joy of sharing Christ with others. So as we close today, Anybody here want to make heaven rejoice? Anybody want to turn their hearts back to Jesus today? If you do, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that as we journey on in, in this series, that we will be able to find the joy of Jesus in, in, in the midst of the challenges that we all face even with COVID raging like it is, even with the confusion and, and, and the divisiveness, there's joy to be found. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. In a moment, they're going to sing a song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And that's what we want to do. But for now, just bow your heads. I want to pray with you. Father in heaven, today we come to you and thank you, Lord God, for this amazing story that we were able to talk about. And the journey that we have ahead, Lord God, into the book of Philippians. But we want to begin right here to recognize the joy of the jailer. The joy of knowing you, of turning our hearts towards you, Lord God. And understanding, Lord, that when we turn our hearts to you, all heaven rejoices. There's joy in that. And so today, there's somebody here that's on the edge. They're just on the periphery. They're outside looking in, but they said, wow. <sighs> I need that joy because life has been so hard. I need that joy because I've been angry at people or at the church or, or I've been just mad and a lot of people have been and Lord I want to have you a part of my life today because I want to give that up and instead trade that for everything that you have for me if that's your prayer today I want you to know that Jesus wants nothing more than to be in your heart and life, to walk with you and journey with you every day. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to believe that you are the Jesus, you are the Son of God, and that we create space in our hearts for you. And we recognize in this moment that we all fall short, we're all sinners saved by grace. So forgive us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, each day to be more and more like your son, Jesus. And then, Lord, I want to pray for our church today. That, Lord, we be challenged. 
to not just look at this mission statement as a mission statement and kind of this static thing that sits off to the side. But instead, Lord God, make it something vibrant and living in us. To see the truth of what it means to authentically love you with all our hearts, our soul, and our mind. And we get a beautiful picture of what that looks like here in the life of the Apostle Paul. When it's so easy to give up and turn around because it's so hard. Kept moving forward. Not for fame or fortune. Not because things are going well. Because of you. Because we love you, Lord God. Help our faith to grow stronger day by day. Help us, Lord God, when things get just awful, to turn our eyes upon Jesus. To look forth at his wonderful face. And then, as the song says, but I believe it's true, the things of this world will grow strangely dim because we're gazing upon the holy. Oh, God, thank you for this day. We look forward to the journey ahead with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.